In this verse, life is antagonistic to bad movies. Here, beers and all their various flavors are spontaneously poured. And booze-soaked mistakes are made. Our purpose is to correct these mistakes because there is another verse, a verse where bad movies are welcome, cherished, a ravishing ever new place of terrible movies and good beer. But the road to that verse crosses over the threshold. 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 Take us through the threshold. What you call death, we call hops and box office flops. Welcome to the Underverse. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us for the 108th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the Google Web's premier podcast dedicated to mostly bad movies and usually good beers. Tonight is the third installment in our Hops and Favorite Flop series. We'll be talking about the sequel to Pitch Black, the big budget bomb that is 2004's The Chronicles of Riddick. Joining me on tonight's pod is a holy half-dead who's seen the universe, the thunderous wizard. It's been a long time since I smelled beautiful. <laughs> God damn it. Jesus. Well, I think we're I starting with that. A little. We're, we're starting with that. Ugh. All right. Well, hey, it can only go up from here. Yep. We also have Dame Vaco's eyelash groomer, Captain Cash. Listen, it, if you achieve a smoky eye by literally burning the flesh around your eyes, I'm actually kind of impressed. Mm. Okay. And last but not least, we have our resident breaking wind elemental, Mayor McCheese. How they got the Dame Judy Dench to do this movie is a mystery. Well, listen, listen. If Mary Poppins will be a giant sea creature, there's no reason Dame Judy Dench can't be an air elemental. I'm just saying Vin Diesel was dead set on having Judy Dench in this movie, so he probably had to do some things. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops, and anywhere you can download or stream the finest podcasts. You can find me waxing philosophical about the universe on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Wizard, when you're not lensing and cleansing, where can you be found on the socials? Generally, I'm uh, racing across an ice planet from uh, mercenaries, but on the social media, when I'm willing to divulge my location, I'm at writer TLK. Cash, when you're not burning women's eyelashes off with a soldering iron, where can you be found on the socials? I mean, I can check social media while I'm doing that, and I can be found at C-A-P-T-C-S-H on most of your social media. Very fair, very fair. And McCheese, when you're not rustling the leaves in suburban Cleveland, where can the listener find you on Twitter? I am exclusively on Twitter at HBOF McCheese. All right. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment 
at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all the Necromonger and Underverse content your undead soul desires. So, to none? (laughs) So, not not a lot. Um, And to be fair, you know, I think we all enjoyed this movie in college uh, to a certain extent because it's very much in the the vein of a B sci-fi action movie. Um, It's dumb. It's fun. Whatever. But honestly... It did flop, but this movie doesn't have a lot, if any, like behind the scenes drama or production issues. It just failed to meet expectations at the box office. Its predecessor, Pitch Black, was a moderate success. It made 53.2 million worldwide on a budget of just 23 million, and it also did very well on DVD. So, because of this, Universal was hoping to cash in on the R rated sleeper hit with a PG 13 rated sequel. They quintupled the budget, but only managed to do slightly better than double the box office numbers from the first movie. So, yeah, ouch. This this is the same thing that happened when we talked about Mallrats or uh, Snatch. It was, hey, you made a whole bunch of money off that, you know, tiny project. Here's a bunch of money. Do the same thing again. Except this movie does not do the same thing again at all. The weird thing is, and we're probably going to get into it, this spun off several different, like, projects. Like, various scripts and movies and animated series and whatnot. Like, Pitch Black did, not this. but And for this to be the follow-up that just shit the bed is kind of uncanny for how much effort they seem to have put into the world. Oh, effort. Fuck that. This is the laziest world building I have ever been a party to. And I saw Conan 2012. Yeah, I just think it was a misguided attempt. I think the template for this move is you go from alien to aliens. Right? That's what this movie attempts to do. You go from the claustrophobic space horror movie that's R-rated, and then you try to turn it into an action movie. The problem is that, you know... James Cameron knew that he had to keep it an R to keep true to the source material in the original movie. Whereas this decided to soften things for PG 13 and they completely didn't understand what made the first movie successful. But yeah, you know no, what? Honestly, no, 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 no. we're going to come to that problem. later. Here's the problem. This movie is what happens after James Cameron makes alien and decides to follow it up with fucking masters of the universe. There's zero connective tissue here. There's no reason for these characters to be in this same universe at no, all. Well, first there's, off, there's first no off, connective first tissue in Aliens Ridley's, either. Well, first off, Ridley, Ridley Scott Ridley Scott did Alien, but I I understand your point. I just had to say that to be uh, no, that's uh, fair. Um, but no, the point is they tried to go from like a, a space almost horror slasher movie with an R rating, and they tried to make it into an action movie. And that's and that's kind of the thing. There's a Kevin Smith tweet about this that I should probably uh, you know, post to the socials. But anyway, yeah. So you know, it didn't work. So let's move on because this movie it's not great. So we need to get to the Thunderous Wizard. Yeah, I think you guys are all circling it. The big thing is, Pitch Black was not Alien. It wasn't a huge hit. It was a like a cult movie that people really liked. Moderate that, success. That I made still money. really like Pitch Black. It's a good movie. Yeah, but it it's not like, hey, all right, let's greenlight a $150 million film now when the first one cost 20 and that's what they did. 
and it makes no sense. Like it wasn't this runaway train success where you're like, well, people will watch this dude do anything. And it's at a time in Vin Diesel's career where he's like coming off a string of shit movies. Well, and also he, this was a passion project for Vin, but Hey, we're going to come to that. Let's not get hung up. Let's move on to probably the most important part of watching this movie, which is beer. And for tonight's pod, we're kicking off no IPA may with a Russian Imperial stout, specifically old Rasputin from North coast brewing co out of Fort Bragg, California. I selected this beer for the pod because it's dark and Rasputin was hard to kill. Two things that apply to our titular hero, Riddick. Old Rasputin checks in with a Captain Cash approved and Universe worthy 9% ABV. It pours a dark, virtually black brown with a thick head and plenty of lacing. It covers your expected stout flavor profile. <clears throat> with chocolate and caramel flavors as well as toasted malt notes. And it finishes with a bit of hoppy bitterness and coffee flavors. Um, you can taste the booze. I'm not going to lie. At 9%, that's pretty heavy. But the sweetness and hints of spice help mask it. Um, I'm not a big stout guy. But this is a great specimen, an example of the uh, variety. And it's very drinkable. I'm just not sure at 9%, I want more than two of these in a sitting. So I'm going to give Old Rasputin a one bad movie rating. I'll leave it up to the rest of the guys. What do you think, Captain Cash? Well, so in the case of full transparency, they decided to stop selling this beer where I live. I don't know why. I literally went to all the bottle shops in my area and called a, like five other shops looking for it. Couldn't find it. Don't know what the deal is. But I have had this on numerous occasions, and I will say... The taste is delicious. The octane is right where I like it. Uh, but every time I have drank this beer, the next morning I wake up with the worst hangover. So I will call this a one bad movie beer simply because it, it meets that threshold. Take me to the threshold of I'm not going to drink this because it's going to make me feel like shit later. That also occupies like Flying Dog and Mad Hat or what is it, Magic Hat Brewery? Any of those beers? No, no, no good for Captain Cash. Uh, yeah, now, was now, the Magic now, Hat number nine is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Oh God, that's yeah. a hangover yeah. in a bottle. Well, now Move. I'm nervous because this is the first time I've ever had this beer. And yeah, yeah, drink it. It it's delicious. <laughs> it, like I'm not a big stout guy, and it's very good. Um, but. I think I'm in the same vein as one movie at 9%. It's fucking mead. Um, and I'm afraid of it at this point, especially considering Rasputin's on the front of it. Uh, I'll do a movie, maybe a movie and a half, depending on the length and if I like the movie. But now I feel like I need to chime in on next week's pod to see how bad the hangover is tomorrow. God damn it. Yeah, it, and it is heavy. I'll admit that. It's not. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's heavy. You you feel the the weight to it. It's 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 not chewy. It's still very drinkable, but it's you know you're taking in some calories and booze with it. The wizard's so anyway, got a sensitive tum tum. What's he yeah, think? Exactly. So what do you say, Thunderous Wizard? How does this strike your palate? Well, here's what I'll say. For for one, two. I think you missed the big pairing comparison. Is that Rasputin was 
basically a Charlie Manson type and was mostly full of shit and was able to garner a very large sphere of influence and cult of personality, sort of like the dude at the head of this movie, the main bad guy is, you know, he's a charlatan. I I guess he has powers and shit, but either way, um, it's, I really like this, but it's nine and I do have a sensitive tum-tum. So, (laughs) uh, two movies tops, but it's, it's a really good stout. Uh, it has a very aggressive smell to it, but it tastes it, it it has a very good taste. But nine's a lot. I had one last yeah. night, and I did have a headache, and I had three beers last night, and I know that my headache was all because of this beer. Yeah, I mean it, it is thick. It's like oatmeal. It, it's thick, but it is smooth to drink. And uh, you're right. I definitely think Rasputin has seen the Underverse. Um, you can pick this up in four packs of pounders or four packs of 12 ounce bottles. So yeah, again, I guess the final verdict on this is one to two bad movies. I would say if you, if you live anywhere near a big city and you have a grocery store that lets you do the create your own six pack, maybe get one or two, but not the full four. Cause it's going to sit in your fridge for a while. Yeah. It, it's good. It's sort of like if you took a shot of vodka and a shot of espresso and dumped into a Guinness. Mm, and then added some sort of thickening agent. Yeah. 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 Some uh, carboxymethyl cellulose. Um, that's yeah, a thickener. That, that makes sense for all of us. Yeah. That's a food grade thickener. It goes into pharmaceuticals. Uh, yeah, so, anyway, okay. So, that brings us to the tale of the tape for the Chronicles of Riddick. It was released in June of 2004. And that summer, it had to compete with the likes of Spider-Man 2, Shrek 2, a Harry Potter movie, I don't know, one of the sequels, and White Chicks. <laughs> I like how you threw in White Chicks. <laughs> oh. White Chicks made more money. Okay. Oh. So, oh. Uh, really? Domestically, yes. Oh. Uh, the summer of 2004 also gave us Dodgeball, Anchorman 2, and Alien vs. Predator all of which did better domestically than this film. The male 18 to 34 demographic had a lot of entertainment options that summer, and the Chronicles of Riddick appears to have gotten the short end of that stick. Hell, (laughs) even without a paddle, the D.B. Cooper-centric Seth Green vehicle made more domestically. Good God. Yike. Hey, Dak Shepard was in that too. And, and the guy from Scream. Okay, whatever. Lillard. The guy, Matt, the guy Matthew from Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Gee, he, Scoob. He was also in Hackers. Yeah, Scooby Doo. Hack the planet. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Runtime for this guy was 119 minutes theatrically, with an extra 16 minutes added for the unrated director's cut, which tops out 135 minutes. I feel. Like, I did I the math. Like, I feel like you should say 119 unnecessary minutes because they could have really trimmed this thing. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute now. I was in for the hundred and uh, whatever plus the sixteen was. I watched the unrated cut. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. No. <laughs> honestly, the director's cut does not help this movie. They probably should have shaved 20 minutes off the theatrical cut and it would have been better, but whatever. So as far as the box office performance goes, the worldwide box office total for the Chronicles of Riddick was 115.8 million on a budget of approximately 120 million. So there is no chance this movie made any money. 
it lost Universal an estimated 60 million, give or take 10 million either way. It could have lost up to 70 million. Who knows? Uh, what's, what's more shocking that this lost money or that it cost $120 million after you've watched it? Well, again, special effects has changed since this movie came out. So you can't really hold it to that. But yeah, I don't know how this cost. Unless they were giving a ton of money to Vin Diesel. I don't know how this cost $120 million. It's the Pangolin Tigers. Pangolin Tigers are expensive. Yep, yep. And so is Judy Dench. The, da- Ooh, the dame. The dame Judy Dench. You don't, you don't just get the dame for a dime. No, no. She had to be definitely bribed into this. Um, and that is a staggering amount of money for the studio to lose. I mean, we're talking Battlefield Earth, Ballistic X versus Sever Territory. Oh, I'm sorry. I left out the colon. Uh, but yeah. Ballistic you know, colon. And, the end. Yeah. Diesel was one of the producers on the film. And I have to wonder if he even made a cent on this movie. And uh, the critics weren't much kinder either. <laughs> the Rotten Tomato score is 29%. With a user score higher at 65. Hell yeah. Metacritic score is 38, with the user score higher again at 7.6. Again, this is not a critic friendly movie. Um, so I'm not shocked that the, the user scores are higher, but frankly, that 7.6 on Metacritic seems a tad high. Oh, does it? Because the user score for this movie is higher than the one for Riddick, which is the actual sequel that everybody wanted to pitch black. Yeah. It's how is that possible? Who is I mean, I voted like, I don't know, 26, 27 times at 100 percent for this. But who else is doing that? Well, I mean, I did, you know, in like 2005. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you had to write letters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They didn't have the aggregate. Just sending letters to universities. Kids, you had to have your Rotten Tomatoes reviews notarized and then sent certified (laughs) mail. Which was typically delivered via horse. Yeah. It's delivered to the threshold. The threshold? The threshold. Take Take us us to to the the threshold. threshold. Exactly. You can find the Chronicles of Riddick on most of your streams. (laughs) <laughs> Sadly, you can find it on most of your streaming services for $3.99 for money. Movie. <laughs> money. Yeah. Or you could own uh, the unrated DVD like I do. Of course. As, you own every as movie. Do I. I, you know what the saddest thing I can say about this is I bought this for myself when I saw it in like the, the, the bin at Walmart. And then I bought an extra copy and I gave it to my dad. Because <laughs> my... Just my dad and his wife have a soft spot for bad sci-fi movies. <laughs> they, they like Mystery Science Theater 3000. So I'm just like, I, I, I feel like there's a modern version of those, you know, those Mystery Science Theater 3000 movies here. This is a very deep dive. This is a very deep dive into Chumpzilla's life. Yeah. The two movies that I have burdened my father with have been this one and Dreamcatcher. Dad, these movies are so bad. They're good. Check them out. Feels like there's a lot to unpack here. That's all I'm trying to say. A lot. Like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's get into the director and cast for this movie. The Chronicles of Riddick were directed and written by David Toohey, the same guy who did Pitch Black and also wrote Critters 2, Waterworld, and The the Fugitive. 
Am I hold on? Am I reading this right? The Fugitive is that the is that the one with Harrison Ford? Is there another one? Like the actually good movie? What the fuck? Oh wait, hold on. He had a writing partner for the last two of those. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, um, excuse me. It's Critters Two: Colon the Main Course. <laughs> oh, respect the colon. Hashtag respect. The Again, colon. I want to. I want to just take a moment. Colon, comma the main course. <laughs> And of course, it stars Vin Street Sharks Diesel as Richard Bruno Riddick. Column you mean Dick B. Riddick? Dick B. Riddick. Rich and, D. Riddick? Mm-hmm. Rick and D. Riddick? Column, uh, Tricky Dick. His pickup line was definitely, my Dick B. Riddick. <laughs> oh, yep. oh. No, that tracks. I don't, I don't even know where to go but, from but here. But he'd say it more monotone. Yeah, I feel like, it's got, it's got to pack it in and gravelly. Um, be like, my dick be dick. It's been a long time since I smelled beautiful. You're smelling he yourself. Li- I he know. lived his life a quarter mile at a time. Leave him alone. Please. We also have Colin Fior as Lord Marshall. Carl Diabolical Urban as Baco. Tandaway Condi. Newton as Dame Vaco. Is she in something else? Yeah, she she's kind of Lisa Rice in W. Westworld, Mission Impossible 2. Ah, that's the one, Mission Impossible 2. That's where I got it. We also have Alexa Davalos as Jack slash Kira. Don't forget, she's also a pod returner. She was in Solo. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot she was in Solo. Good call. Anyway, we've also got Keith They Live David as a mom. Nick Billy Bedlam Chinlin as Tombs. Welcome back to the pod as well. And the Dame Judy, I'm sure she fired her agent after this dench as Arion. No, she did just because she's in fucking cats. I don't think so. I think, again, I think she had a great time on this. I mean, all she had to do is wander around and be an elemental and spout nonsense like, well, what are the odds of that? I. <laughs> I think we'll get to this, I'm sure, in the plot, but what is the purpose of her character? Well, the purpose the record, was I received six zeros on the check <laughs> after I said about 13 lines. Yeah. The, da- the Dame Judy Dench wanted to build a cat mansion and was bored, so she signed up for this movie at the approximate $5 million value. You know what this is? This is fucking the Simpsons movie where... Hi, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has run out of credibility, so they decided to borrow some of mine. That's what this is with Judy Dench. <laughs> okay, and just for the record, she said that while filming, she had no idea what was going on, but she thought the sets looked neat. <laughs> I was super high the entire time. Yeah. Uh... They paid her in mushrooms. <laughs> that, that would make sense on I, I like how her purpose is to actually explain the entire plot of the movie but it doesn't quite happen that way <laughs> oh, let's just do it right now and the worst part about it is that she explains the plot of the movie to both sides <laughs> it got really weird when she had to explain to the, the lord marshal that a cat is not a dog a cat is most certainly not a dog. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and what the fuck is the jellicle? Yeah. 
Although the Jellicles are trying to get across the threshold too, so maybe this is a cat's prequel. I don't know. Okay, uh, let's move on here. That makes a lot more sense if I think about it that way. (laughs) It's kind of weird now that we talk about it. I I do like the fact that like her explanation of the plot of this movie at the end is just her doing like a sidelong glance at the screen and waking, going, "That was the movie. (laughs) It's the same as cats." I haven't seen cats, so I'm sorry. So, so what I'm trying, I think what we're trying to say here, Kathy Cash, is that Judy Dench always knows exactly what kind of movie she's in. If Riddick would have flown away in a hot air balloon, then it's the same exact ending. Like, oh, there goes Riddick in his hot air balloon. He's he's (laughs) see you later. Is that wait? Hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop here because I'm the one who has to say this for you three. Is there a Riddick butthole cut that we don't know? <laughs> I don't know. We saw the hellhound cat dogs, so who knows? I assume <sighs> the cut of Riddick is the butthole cut. <laughs> this is certainly the butthole cut of the trilogy. So let us move on here to our one-liners. IMDB describes this movie as follows. The wanted criminal, Richard Bruno Riddick, arrives on a planet called Helion Prime and finds himself up against an invading empire called the Necromongers, an (laughs) army that plans to convert or kill all humans in the universe. I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. I didn't know that was his name. I didn't know that was his name until now. And now he sounds like he owns a pizza shop in New York City. (laughs) And that fucks me up. Um. and ah, welcome to, to Dickie B. Riddick's Pizza Shop. <laughs> hey, yeah, I you guy over here, Cabal, will get it right out to you hot and fresh. 30 minutes or fast? quicker or it's free. Uh, that's a serviceable one-liner from IMDb, considering what we've gotten in the last yep. three to four months. It ain't wrong. It's not complete, but it ain't wrong. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Wizard, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Uh, this movie is Vin Diesel cashing in what was ever left of his Hollywood cachet. And I just want to describe it as he walks into the execs and he's like, I got an idea. What is it? I'm Riddick and I fight the space Nazis. <laughs> uh, okay. And I'll have muscles and stuff. Gold. Book it. Well, I mean, you have to, you have to remember... You have to remember that most of the studio people were super jacked up on coke at this point. So they're like, it's me jacked up fighting space Nazis. Their reaction is, yeah, we can do this. Record, we can work with this. They feel much more like space communists than space Nazis. They're willing to take anyone into the fold as long as you subsume yourself to them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So space Russians. Hold on, exec. Watch me spin uh, this space knife. <laughs> Watch this. Half gram off on the back yeah. end. Outside uh, on the backside. Yeah, I, I think there's something to your comment there, Mary McCheese and Thunderous Wizard. This is a 2004 movie, but it feels very 90s and to a certain degree. The lawless ass 90s have bled into the early 2000s and we still get things like this. I, but anyway, I feel like he called John Travolta and he's like, "Hey, I saw your movie <laughs> recently, Battlefield Earth. You want to discuss some script notes?" <laughs> like, oh, it's 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 
it's better than that. It is I way mean, better than that. It is, but not but on the same amount of Dutch angles. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that will come up later. Uh, that will definitely come up later. So, what say you, McCheese? What's your one-liner? So, this is not an original thought. This is another critic's description of this movie, but I really love it. It's Conan in space. Yes. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, no, that the last scene of this movie. If you don't think Conan in space in the last scene, then you don't you don't know. Arnold. You don't Conan. It's, Conan. You it's don't Conan. a hundred percent. It's even the same pose. It's so yes. flagrant in how yes. it rips off Conan. It, it, it's it's you the visual cue there. If you've seen Conan the Barbarian, you're like, oh yeah, uh-huh. Got Except it. they had a scene where they're like, Riddick, what's best in life? And Vin Diesel's like, uh, family, uh, uh, <laughs> family, goggles, goggles, Corona, family, goggles, and Corona. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Before this gets any more off the rails, Captain Cash, what's your one-liner? I. I don't have one liner. I'm just deeply frustrated. Like my one liner is how, how do you follow up pit black, which is a legitimately good movie with this. It's, it's like you decided that, Hey, you know what the follow up to, um, princess diary should be fucking horror movie. That's how aggressively this Versus the last movie switches genres, and I don't get it. Wait, wait, wait a minute! Did the Princess Diaries two also suck? Yes, but it came out in two thousand and four, and also made more money than the fucking Chronicles of Riddick. All right, so here's my one-liner: The Chronicles of Riddick, Episode One, The Necromonger Menace. <laughs> now, now, bear with me here. <laughs> I mean, Misa, thinks Misa. Is not a great movie. Misa thinks you hold need on. to look through your goggles, Riddick. <laughs> I mean, hold on. I mean, this is a movie about a chosen one prophecy who is destined to defeat the evil space fascists who have an army of faceless stormtroopers and the power to destroy planets. And it's full of bad dialogue and questionable CGI, right? I mean, this feels kind of like a bad George Lucas prequel. You Maybe. should try nice spinning. That's a good trick. Hey, hey, gonna... hey hold on, hold on. <laughs> Vako does his little twisty spin thing. He does a barrel roll. I'm going to plant my flag Do here. Do a barrel the roll. The dialogue in this movie is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's an animal thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's something. It is something. I appreciate the that the cheesy 80s one-liner action movie aesthetic. It doesn't do it well, but they're trying really hard. It, they are all English words. They're all English words. <laughs> they were all words that I knew. I understood all the <laughs> words in this movie that weren't made up. Yes. Vin Diesel was definitely an action star 20 years too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie was written at the third grade reading level, aside from the made up words. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get into the plot here. Uh, this movie is a sequel to Pitch Black, as we've pointed out, and it picks up five years after the events of Pitch Black with Riddick on the run in an awesome wig and beard combo. Trying uh, uh, to no, 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 when he's running across Fingerprint Planet or whatever, he looks exactly like Goldberg from Santa Slay. 
Listen, I, that get up me screams Momoa. He he's fucking Jason Momoa, which makes sense because Momoa was later in Conan. Wait, but Conan you, in space? Did you guys see when he when Chris Kattan was the gunner on the left side of the mercenary ship? <laughs> And somehow they talked, uh, what's his face? Uh, Fran Drescher and that. Um, and James Conn is in the cargo yeah, hold. James Conn into being gunners, too. <laughs> into being mercs. Okay, real quick. Just want to stop. Bigger get for the film James Conn in Santa Slay or Dame Judy Dench in Chronicles oh, of Riddick? It, it's got to be Conn. Because uh, no, it has it's to. Be Dench. She has it's the Dame, hands time. down. Oh, I don't dead. know though. She's I, done a I, host I, of bad movies, but James Conn was like really slumming it in Santa Slay. Yeah, I mean, come <laughs> on, Santa Slay had like directive video written all but, over it. I'll, it, it the, well, the tough part is I'm still putting my votes in for Dame Judy Dench, but the tough part is is when you see James Conn in that role, they essentially said, "Hey, act like you're pissed off that you have to be in this," and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> Do Elf, but more dickish. Go. All right. All right. Sorry. 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 I cut you off, Jumpzilla. Keep going with the plot. So again, we've got Riddick and his awesome beard wig combo trying to evade some bounty hunters. He turns the tables and takes their ship, heading off to find who put the bounty on his head. This leads him to the planet Helion Prime, where he discovers Amon, the guy he saved from the first movie, was behind the bounty. Amon reveals that there is a fascist death cult called the Necromongers going planet to planet, wrecking shop, and enslaving slash killing the resident populations. And Helion Prime is next. It bugs me that Keith David's character is a mom. Like, that's like if you had a priest and the character's name was Priest. It's just it's not subtle and it's uh it's not good. Yeah, so it's just so the less we talk about the better. Constantly. It's not good, yeah. Uh Judy Dent shows up and there's some BS about Furians being the only species that can kill the leader of the Necromongers, whatever. Which <sighs> completely undercuts the whole point of the first fucking movie. Fine, go on. I just it yeah, no, me. it's just it's just stuff that happens riddick plays up the angsty anti-hero shtick and refuses to help oh and kira i mean jack whatever is in prison because she missed riddick or something she wouldn't be just like riddick so she Uh, you know became a career criminal yeah yeah. Uh, we get an awesome scene where riddick refuses to kneel before the lord marshal of the necromongers and we get the threshold take us to the threshold bit from the pods opening uh, the bounty hunters from the beginning of the movie come back. They capture. Oh my God! Can, can we, okay, okay, okay. We, yeah, we glossed over this, but the leader of the the bounty hunters is very clearly discount Ron Perlman. They're like, you know, it'd be great for this Ron Perlman, but Ron Perlman was like, listen, I'm I'm in Bleed Two. I'm, I'm working on Hellboy. Uh, the, I just t- I can't t- t- be here for your Hellbo- shitty Hell- thing. Hellboy and Blade Trinity, I think, came out around this time. So I don't know if he was in Blade Trinity. Was he in Trinity? No, he's, no, he's, he's in, in Blade too. Um, yeah, so so he was he was busy with Hellboy at this point. Yeah. I here's the thing about this guy, and now I can't remember his name, and I feel terrible. But Jimmy. Nick Chinlin. Nick Chinlin. I oh was, no! 
I was the watching. The character's name's Tombs. Billy yes. Bedlam. He's Tombs. Billy Bedlam from. Uh, he's been in tons of movies, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it came to me. It didn't come to me when we were watching uh, Con Air. It came to me like I've seen this movie where this guy plays basketball, but he's a junkie. <laughs> and what is it? <laughs> so I go on this IMDb deep dive of his movies. It's called A Brother's Kiss. I'll post the trailer to social. It's, I, I guess I really had a misspent youth that I watched this many bad movies that I remember Nick Chinlin as the junkie basketball player. I have a lot of questions about A Brother's Kiss, but go on. I, I, yeah. He's a great bad guy. That guy is a great bad He's guy. great. He's got a great face. Uh, yeah. That movie, uh, not good. <laughs> not good. This movie, not good. But probably better than A Brother's Kiss. Certainly better than A Brother's Kiss. But yes, the bounty hunters do successfully capture Riddick this time, and by sheer luck, plan on taking him to the same prison planet that is holding Kira, formerly Jack, Crematoria. I hate the name of Crematoria so much. There's going to be a lot to say about Crematoria because I have a lot of gripes about the whole yeah. concept of that, so let's save it. The name is very fascist. I will <laughs> say that. Yeah, it's uh, that I, I appreciate what they try to do with that gimmick, but let's get there. We're not there yet. The Lord Marshal uses the Necromonger precogs to figure out Riddick is a Furion. Oh yeah, he knows about the prophecy too. Uh, he like, captures Judy Dench or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And uh, <clears throat> he sends a hit squad led by his uh, right hand man Vako to find Riddick and kill him. There's some real heavy ripping off of uh, Minority Report going on with the, the precogs. Uh, like them and real, real. Yeah. Like, oh, we have these people who just tell us things. Although, yeah, they're... just like psychics and tubes. Yeah. yeah. The quasi dead. Uh, I hate this movie. This movie kicks ass. And I'll tell you why when we get there, but it kicks ass. Is it because it has it's an moments. animal thing? Damn it. It's definitely an animal thing. But meanwhile, at the prison on Crematoria, Riddick and Kyra settle their sister wife issues, kill a guy with a teacup, and manage to escape the prison in a scene that makes no logistical sense whatsoever. I believe that is what Mary Chies is referring to previously. We'll just take a brief moment here to talk about Crematoria because I don't have a question about it later. But basically, the premise is this planet has a blazing hot surface during the daytime. It's got a freezing cold surface on the dark side at nighttime. And there's a limited window between the transfer between night and day that these people could potentially escape from the prison and make it to some hangar. They try to tame up. Uh, and, it's, of course, the prison itself is subterranean to avoid all the problems with the temperature differentials on the surface. So they escape to the surface in said window that they can make the 30 clicks, which is roughly 18 miles to the <laughs> ship they want to get to. And yet in the movie, when the prisoners escape, they run for five minutes and a quick cutscene diving over all sorts of obstacles and craggy rocks and whatnot. And yet after five, maybe even like seven minutes, I wasn't timing it. The prison guards finally make it to the little manhole cover they popped out of, and they pop out and look out, and the folks are like 50 yards away. And they start shooting at them. Okay. So they've got like a seven-minute head start, give or take, 
and they're 50 yards away and they get shot at. And they still managed to cover 18 miles in what seems like, I don't know, 15 minutes tops. So, so they, and, and while they're flying in, they explicitly say that the dark side of the planet is negative 300 degrees and the sun side, if you will, is 700 degrees. So it's a thousand degree swing. And we're, we're supposed to just expect that they can run would you say 18 miles from yeah 30 clicks about 18 from, miles from port to port in a window that is acceptable to humans <laughs> well Here, here's I, I, the like thing. The, I like the mechanic of it but it makes no sense go ahead negative 300 degrees celsius is into negative kelvin that yes. doesn't fucking exist <laughs> well i mean theoretically that's below yeah. absolute zero Oh, well, well, because well, absolute zero is what? Negative 273 Kelvin? Zero Kelvin. I think it's, which is negative, I'm sorry, yeah. Zero Kelvin's at negative 273 Celsius, I thought, right? was, I thought it was negative 212 was absolute zero. But. No, I think it's 273. Hold on. Let's Google this. The point <laughs> is, it's lower than absolute zero. Oh, let, let, let's also not worry about the fact that when Riddick needs to save Jack here, uh, he just douses himself with water that would already have been boiling in 700 degrees and then repels down the wall and then gets up and he's just steaming. He's like, it made it. <laughs> oh, I, I love that to, to avoid the heat of the sun, all you simply need to do is be in the shadow <laughs> of literally anything. Literally, like, oh, you're in a cave? Oh, the, the heat does it. Convection, convection, whatever. You're good. I've had it with you guys making fun of this movie. This movie <laughs> rules. I don't care about science at all. And I will tell you this, you're not a Furian. None of you are. You don't know what he can survive. Also, though, the dumbest thing about this entire thing is they get up to the top. They don't look for the tunnel that the guards use. They decide, let's go to the surface where we can most certainly die running across the planet. And then all the asshole guards are running through tunnels, which seem to have one passage. Yeah, but you also miss out on Vin Diesel going, we got to go at my speed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this. None of you guys could run at Vin Diesel's speed. None. Clearly. Yeah, Vin Diesel runs as well as Samuel L. Jackson in fucking Captain Marvel. It really disappoints me that he says that, and then everyone keeps up. I also like that they spend a good solid two minutes looking at the situation. They're like, what do you think we do? You think we could run it? Like, it, you only have a very small window between negative 300 and 700 to make your 18-mile run. And maybe spend less time talking about it and more time running. And none of them know what like the topography of crematoria is like because they've been in this prison. It's not like they no, got they, to they, like go out in the yard and like check it out. Yeah, they flew in the day before, yeah. but Vin Diesel knows the exact route from the corkscrew jailhouse to the landing pad. No, I just did the research, guys. Yes, uh, absolute zero is roughly 273 degrees okay. Celsius. So, yeah, that part, whatever, doesn't make much sense. And I understand what they're trying to tell us in the movie is that there's like a 
there's like a buffer zone as daybreak comes, as things start to heat up. There's like a habitable zone that they have to stay in. But yeah, there's no way they could stay in that for 30 clicks. And also, again, I can't emphasize this enough. It appears as though for the first five minutes after they escape, they run in circles because the guards are still right there. It the whole scene doesn't make any sense. And yes, now now that you mention it, I hadn't even this had not occurred to me previously. I had not realized this. Vin Diesel like has no clue where he's going. <laughs> like zero. They just dart out and do running in, let, in, let in Diesel direction. Do what he does. He's a furian. Yeah. He has yeah. goggles. He's got internal GPS. You know, yeah. he sees why, things why we with his this? weird eyes that he had implanted in prison. Also, he suplexes a guy at the end of this. I don't care. We're not how there he yet. Hold there. on. Let's come to that. Let's get to there. Let's get to there. Because that, th- this, okay. Wait, are we skipping we... over the Hellhounds? I feel like we're skipping over the oh, Hellhounds. Oh, we completely we, 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 Yeah, I mean. We, we left the Hellhounds in the dust. Because they don't mean anything to the movie. They're just there. To be fair, there's oh. a lot of things that have no meaning. There's to a lot this of movie. Yeah, there, There's at least 40 to 50 percent of this movie that doesn't actually need to be in this movie yeah including Uh, vin diesel (laughs) oh no boom but he does so much knife fighting Mm -hmm. tons of knife they're like the amount of knife fighting that happens in this movie when they have blaster cannons from star wars is is sterile (laughs) vin if you're listening to this and i know you are because uh Captain Cash's opinion is not representative of the pod at large. We love we you. We all love you. We Vin. love you, Vin. We're all living our lives a quarter mile at a time. We're all drinking Corona secretly on the side of our Rasputins right now, and we just like you to talk about family to us. Just Man, once. I want to be real with you. I would I'm group D and D. I would beat you at D and D. so so allegedly during filming. Uh, Diesel, because this, this is not part of my quiz later, Diesel was playing D&D with uh, Carl Urban and Judy Dench. Which <laughs> no, no. blows my mind. Again, and, and still, you got to remember there's Judy no, Dench there is, doing that, and she still has no clue what movie she's in. There's oh, you guys ab- playing D&D? Sweet, I'm glad I came. There, there's absolutely no fucking way that piece of trivia is true. You can go to hell. <laughs> there is... There is no way Dame Judy Dench isn't the best DM ever. Holy shit, that would be amazing. Listen, I listen, Vin Diesel, I understand you opted to make some choices in this film, but if you did that simply so you could play D&D with Judy Dench, I get it, buddy. We're cool. All I'm saying is between Judy Dench and Vin Diesel, we know who the true Dom is. <laughs> Buzzing. All right. Yeah, and I guess to your point, Captain Cash, there are these cool, like, cat-dog uh, pergola things. Pangolin. It's, it's pangolin, a pangolin-tiger. Pangolin, yeah, pangolin, yeah, whatever. Uh, hellhounds. Uh, scaly dog uh, cat things that are in the prison, and Tombs is trapped between two of them. Um, there's an alternate cut of the movie where he actually gets murdered by one of the hellhounds. And actually, if you watch the upcoming scene where the prison escapees face off of the necromongers, you can actually spot tombs corpse and a hellhound corpse in the background because 
they filmed that scene of him dying and then they filmed the aftermath and they had to use the aftermath scene to patch stuff up in the movie. So if you squint, you can see some corpses in the background. Well, whatever. He should have died. I'm just going to throw it out there. He sucks. Well, they, well, they did. In one version of the movie, he was killed, but they left him alive. Shut and, up. Yeah, you can still see his corpse. It's a weird hanging thread, though. It, it is. And it's well, a I mean, weird... it's assumed I, he'll die, but. Well, I enjoy, I enjoy. Well, it's assumed he might die in prison. I enjoyed the line. I should have taken the money. I thought that was funny. This movie doesn't have a lot of humor. That it's was a, a punchline. It's a good landed. running gag. Because it's a good he knows, gag, it was like, he should take the money. Like he knows what he's doing is foolhardy, don't, and yet he persists. Yeah, don't dick with Riddick. Just take the money. Yeah, don't dick with Dick B. Riddick. Don't don't mess with Bruno. All right. Uh, yeah. So they do make their escape, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but Baco's platoon soon arrives on the prison planet before Riddick and uh, Kira can make it to the ship. And they face off in one of the movie's best action set pieces. Baco seemingly kills Riddick, but not before Riddick has a Furian near-death experience and displays some sort of magical powers. Baco takes Kira prisoner and returns to Helion Prime. Riddick is in fact not dead, thanks in part to the Furian magic, and he is dragged to safety by the Necromonger Purifier. That's the guy in the weird, like, skeleton yarmulke thing from earlier in the movie. Uh, the Purifier reveals that he was Furian before he converted to Necromongery, telling Riddick that if he stays away from the Lord Marshal and Helion Prime, they will stop looking for him. It's sort of a, a peace offering. Which but, is completely reasonable. Like, all Riddick has wanted to this point in the movie is for people to leave him the fuck alone. And they're like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We're not going to fuck with you anymore. But he asks about Kira, and he's like, well, they've got her. They'll do to her what they've done to me. We all start as something else. So he's concerned that Kira's going to get converted because there's a whole stupid thing about Kira saying, like, hey, remember when I said I don't care if I die or not? I do. You guys are missing a larger point. His uh, reveal as being a Furian makes zero sense. Why is oh, he spying oh on God. Carl Urban? Like, oh, he's going to sell out Carl Urban. Oh, uh, it makes no sense. None of that Not pays off that. at all. His reveal yeah. is, I'm a Furian. Well, I will now walk out into the sunset of this planet that will immediately kill me for no reason. Well, right after okay, he hold, says, hold Richard, Bruno, why do we fall? Yeah. So <laughs> why do we, we fall, there, Richard? Um, so we can dick back up again. So yeah. So he basically offers him this peace offering, and he does mention that hey, but the Furian in me hopes that you don't listen to me, because yeah, I mean obviously the guy has remorse because he even says I've done unspeakable things or something in the name of a faith that is not my own. Like, he has remorse, whatever. I get it. It's sort of an interesting arc, I guess, kind of, but there's no buildup to it. But I understand what the movie's trying to tell and us. why is he and spying honestly, on Carl Urban? Why? Honestly, the, honestly, this really just feels like, to me, this feels like a, a the Kmart version of the Tears in the Rain speech from Blade Runner, 
rip Rutger Howard, like, uh, or Howard, uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's a weird emotional payoff that has no build up. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. And obviously Riddick is not going to listen to the stay away stuff. They've already signaled to us several times. He's got a weird protection thing for Kira. So he's going to go and try to save her or I whatever. Mean, you just hit the nail on the head. I, I like, I, I enjoy this movie. I, I understand it's really bad. Uh, but it's a whole amalgamation of better sci-fi movies. And they're like, oh, that idea is cool. We'll do that. Oh, that's cool. We'll do that. Like, there's things in here that it's like that are semi-interesting. For but for the most part, it's just a creatively bankrupt enterprise yeah. that somehow they convince them to spend an insane one hundred and twenty million dollars on. Yeah, because the guy walks himself out into to the crematorium sunlight and he he dies. And it's supposed to be like an emotional thing because the dude had just flip sides and you're supposed to care about him and his sacrifice but we're like oh no that dude deserves to die he's awful i'm glad he's dead and, and vin diesel's gonna kick more ass now like the emotional payoff is not as strong as they'd hoped for that's all i'm saying well you also have vin diesel sitting there like staring at the whole situation in the most vin diesel way where you're like vin vin you gotta you gotta be sad you gotta be sad he's just no, like no stoic stoic he's just sto- that, that that's a euphemism for stone-faced he's stoic he just acts like uh, he anyway acts. so as the thunderous wizard has just alluded to there is an entire machiavellian b-plot with vaco and the dame vaco is that not the worst name for a lady character in, in any movie they don't even give her a name she is just dame vaco that is insulting um because they're conspiring to take the lord marshal's throne that well, was part of dame judy dench's contract they had to name somebody after her oh bullshit oh, okay. how have we made it this far in the pod without talking about vaco's hair Oh, it's it's aggressively stupid. (laughs) All right, so it's not Machiavellian. It's very clearly a Macbeth, Lady Macbeth situation where where you've got the the wife pushing the husband. You know what you got to do? Kill the king. Kill the king so you can be the king. And you keep going nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> it it, start, it starts off just to get get a promotion, get a better job, get status, and and then it does turn into kill the king. Yeah, that's a good point. A good point. I, I guess I'm I you know what I'm giving the movie too much credit because there's literally like almost zero subterfuge. It just goes straight to like, eh, we could kill him. I'm just saying yeah, this this movie was way ahead of its time because now all the white nationalists love this haircut. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, them and Portia de Rossi. Yeah. yeah. Not great. Not a good, Carl. Carl Urban. Not a good look. Not a good look. Who's gonna say, man? Lesbian don't, don't. or aggressive neo-Nazi? You decide. Wait, which one drives a Subaru? That's the differentiating factor. Okay. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> more than likely. Uh, so Vako and Condi Rice discover Riddick has infiltrated their ship on Helion Prime. How? I don't yeah, know. can we talk about the timing on this? Somehow he... Nope, nope, he no, we wa- cannot. He nope, literally nope, warped. Nope, stop, nope, nope, moving on. Mm, nope, not that kind of movie. <laughs> and they decide to give Riddick his shot at Lord Marshall with a plan of stepping in at the last moment to strike the death blow, claiming the throne for themselves. Lord Marshall and Riddick face off in a brutal fight. Zombie Kira jumps in to save Riddick, only to be thrown into a column of spikes rip 
Riddick recovers and steals Vako's kill, catching the Lord Marshal as he was teleporting away from Vako's death blow. You keep what you kill in Necromonger culture. So Riddick is declared the new leader of the Necromongers as he clutches Kira's corpse. Riddick takes his place upon the throne as the Necromongers begin to kneel before him. Roll credits. Space Conan. The movie's over. There's so much here. There's so much here to talk about and unpack. Do you want to take a break? Should we just start? I mean... No, we're going to take a break here real quickly, Merriman Cheese. Let's first rate the movie from one to six beers. Gentlemen, what are your ratings? I will start with you, Captain Cash. This is a five pain beer rating for me. It, 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 this movie sucks. <laughs> and the world building is terrible. It's lazy. Like, it, it, well, okay, there is no real actual world building as much as there's, hey, let's wing it and move on. Like it, it's all the laziest possible choices they can make to the point where the lady who's literally made of air is called an Arion. Jesus <laughs> Christ. She's an elemental from the elemental planet. Yeah, sure. How about when they're talking about the attack? We spent a lot of time talking about how the uh, necromongers are going to attack Helion. And they're like, no, we'll start at the end. And like, why are we spending time on looking at this fancy 3D printed world? It's, it's like, and, <laughs> and especially the thing that frustrates me most is especially going from Pitch Black, which was a really good movie. It was tight. It had a story to tell that they like expanded on this really weird out of nowhere mythos that is r way more fantasy than the sci-fi they had set up i'm just like hey, oh man they're they're really angry these people that uh that vin diesel's people come from so they're so angry they're they're the furions i'm like fuck you this is <laughs> terrible oh you could you know what you can take furiosa and shut up your ass yeah, no, 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 no. The whole point your of, no, no, no. Oh, no, you're cut off. You're on mute. Thunder you don't get to do that. No, no. We, we the whole point move on. of Fury Road is how dumb the choices in naming of all of a Morton Joe's war band is. It's supposed to be over the top and shitty because they've built a shitty society. They expect me to look at like fucking Vin Diesel and go, well, he's faster and stronger and he's the chosen one. No, that, that doesn't work for what you've already given me. This movie sucks. But... This, movie, this movie's great. But, but, but... Uh, so you're basically but, saying that... Uh, you're saying Fury Road is idiocracy? But five beers in, and it's maybe dumb enough that it's okay. Five beers in, and all of a sudden, Carl Urban's haircut starts to look like, no, it's kind of okay. You know what? Yeah, after five beers, Carl Urban's hair starts to semi-make sense. You know what? You should leave punk rock Uncle Jesse alone. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, you said five. I'm saying five enjoyment beers because I think this movie is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm... I'm tracking with you there, T-Debs. I have a lot of fun watching this movie. The camera work is awful. <laughs> awful. It's so, so bad. So frequently bad. Like, it, it's angering. Like, what are you trying to do, bad? Listen, 
this is not a good movie. You do not like this for being a good film. You like this for being a pile of shit movie that you watch with your buddies while drinking. Let's get past that. I love the character. I love Diesel. This movie is sort of a travesty in a lot of ways, but he does suplex a guy, and uh, he suplexes a guy. So, so. so you dude, got that. Dude, dude, and, that, and that's Urban, cool. And that's Carl cool. Urban does the atomic backbreak. Yeah. Yeah, there's a backbreaker. Um, there's some fun like stuff Raiden's, in there. He, he does Raiden's torpedo tackle, too. Yeah. Keith David's here. I mean, the, the worst part about this movie to me is Lord Marshall's dumb headdress. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great that he's the the Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple, but it's <laughs> where we are. So I will give some credit to the Necromonger like costume designs. They were somewhat interesting. They were trying really hard to come up with an interesting idea, but uh, it wasn't. Uh... I didn't like the lensers. They they were creepy. They creeped me out. Oh, the lensers. Yeah. They were trying real, super real creepy. Hard. Um, so I'll, I'll get in quick. I'm giving this movie six beers, but hold on. Three of them are uh, pain beers in the Underverse, and three of them are pleasure beers, but they're the same uh, beers. So this is a three beer movie. Excellent. That's a fantastic use of the I Lord marshaled this. I Lord yes, you did. This. Yeah. You, you, you bridged the gap across the threshold. Threshold? Yeah, so threshold. Threshold? Take us to the threshold. There you go. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost right there with you, Mary McCheese. I'm going to give this movie four mostly fun beers. Um, the CGI does not hold up well at all. And the additional backstory that we get with the director's cut doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yeah, it's nice to get that little bit of extra violence that you see in the director's cut. But again, that's just not enough to... I mean, transcend the movie from being kind of a B sci-fi action movie. It's like, yeah, you get, you get like a decapitation and there's a couple more brutal kills, but it's not really a huge improvement. There's certain parts of my dumb brain. And it's, I mean, we talked about this before. We watched this a ton in college for no goddamn reason. There's certain parts of my dumb brain who just really enjoy seeing Vin Diesel deliver horrible lines. And I'm just like, Oh Yeah. No, no, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I mean, and this movie also suffers, as the Thunderous Wizard pointed out, from an overabundance of quick cuts, strobe <laughs> effects, and Dutch angles. So if you have motion sickness, this movie might cause some nausea. Um, this movie might have more Dutch angles than Battlefield Earth. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but if you can get past all of that, this is a cheesy sci-fi action movie that is fun, Vin Diesel does deliver some decent tough guy one-liners. And again, I think the Necromongers have an interesting design aesthetic. So, you know, that's where I'm at. Let me just ask, if you like this with the dumbest parts of your brain, is that an animal thing? It is an animal thing. Hey, remember that game you like to play or something? (laughs) Connect four? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to play Sorry. The amount of, all right, he, all right. Here, here's the real thing. The amount of times that me and the Thunderous Wizard used to say, well, what are the odds of that to each other for no goddamn reason <laughs> after watching this? It, like, we're in the upper <laughs> two to three hundreds. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
we need to grab another old Rasputin before getting into our general impressions of the Chronicles of Riddick. And before that, though, let's hear from our podcasting tag team partners over at the Double Turn. We'll see you in the Underverse. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back, folks, to our 108th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by Wobam Entertainment. Again, this is our third entry in our Hops and Favorite Flop series, and we're talking about 2004's The Chronicles of Riddick. We've covered the plot, and now it's time to dive into our general impressions. So I'll start off with the questions here. Would you recommend watching this movie, Captain Cash? Hard no, pass. This nope. movie sucks. Okay. Fair. I don't think the rest of the pod is going to agree with you, but that is your opinion, and you are welcome to it. Mayor McCheese, would you recommend the listener watch this movie? Oh, yeah. I love this movie. I mean, this has a soft spot in my soul uh, with between us and Thunder's Wizard, for sure. Uh, I will watch this anytime it's on. Fair enough. Thunder's Wizard, do you concur? As a person who owns the pacifier and was... <laughs> Very heavily invested in early 2000s Diesel. Yes, watch this movie. It's fantastically bad. And uh, it's really a glimpse into how serious Vin Diesel takes himself. I mean, I guess the real thing is you need to know what you're getting into. It's not a good movie, but it's very fun to watch. Yeah, I'll agree with this. Yes, I would recommend the listener watch this movie. Uh, I don't care which version either. The director's cut does not fix any of this movie's problems. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, either way, it's still a fun, cheesy sci-fi action movie starring an early aughts Ben Diesel. So that will bring me to my next question. Uh, did this movie deserve to flop? I'm going to go with you first, Thunderous Wizard. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm oh gonna, no! I'm, I'm gonna piggyback. hundred yeah, yeah, percent. This is this is definitely not a financial hit. <laughs> oh, that's rough. That is rough. Okay, um, I guess that brings us to you, Captain Cash. Flop, yay or nay? Did it deserve it? Yeah, a hundred percent deserved it. We I, already know that. We already know this answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, there no, are a lot of ways you can I, follow up pitch black, but this ain't it. I'm going to dissent here because no, this movie does not deserve to flop this hard. I am shocked how hard this movie flopped with a less crowded summer release schedule. This movie might've made maybe $200 million. The like there just wasn't guys. enough money to spend on this stuff. Now this is the, this is the B movie you see at the princess. Like this isn't, this isn't going to make 130 it million. Lost the to white chicks. <laughs> domestically. Domestically. The bad guys are called the necromongers. What does that mean? It doesn't matter, but it sounds kind of vaguely threatening. Good enough. Moving on. 
Isn't that's that the, the point? That was put into this film. But if they had called them necromancers or vampires, it would have been, I feel like that would have been even more generic. They came up with a new weird name to try to make it interesting. I'm not going to knock them for change that. They whatever, tried something. Change whatever name you want. It's not going to save the box office. No, I'm, no I, but it's indicative of how lazy all of this is. I, I will agree. As, as much as I don't want to agree with Cash on a lot of this, uh, or, or, well, at least on a lot of his review of this movie, I will say that <laughs> in retrospect, after hearing him talk, there is a lot of laziness that comes into play. Yeah. Here. Okay, I mean, it's obvious there are several elements in this movie that are very generic, but okay. Um, I guess I'm going to go with my next question here. Favorite action and or fight scene in the movie? I'll go first on this one. For me, the clear winner is the prison break, which leads directly into the showdown with Vako. I feel like that's the part of this movie that feels the most like pitch black, even though the logistics of the whole, like, crematoria planet maze run thing makes no sense regardless it felt like the movie that we thought we were going to see yeah i i actually completely agree because it's playing with the whole idea that there's no set time for a sunrise sunset that's and based on the planet that can make it really uninhabitable or possibly inhabitable it plays into the sci-fi element that is set up by the first film so I I mostly agree with that. And so, to the Thunderous Wizards point, hold on, we get a suplex and a backbreaker, and those are awesome. Oh, I do want to say, in the R-rated version of this film, Carl Urban clearly just tears that dude in half, just guts everywhere. There's not like a backbreaker. Now, I get what you're saying there, but this was the R-rated version of the film. They, they shot it as an R and cut it back to a 13, so that's, that's your fantasy R version, yeah. Anyway, moving on. What do you say, McCheese? As far as favorite action goes, I'm going to give it to, like, the in-between scenes where you get Diesel doing, like, the shifty Diesel stuff where he uh, he chops off the random gunner, and when they're on that, like, mining sled, he jacks the dude up into the lights. Like, that, oh, kind, yeah. of, that kind of stupid BS. I loved it. I don't know why. Like him tapping his toe. I'm like, this is so dumb. It's great. I love it. It's crematoria. A hundred percent. It's crematoria. When when he's just like going after it and hitting people with his weird curly knives. <laughs> are, we, are we not going to talk about Jack and her heel spike kicks? Yeah. And how, they, and how oh, a, yeah. There, there is a solid set of scenes where Riddick is throwing her into people with her heel spikes out. I'm sorry, but when when he pours the water on himself and then he does the like the, the thing with the rope, I don't give a shit how nonsensical that is. I love it. I don't care. I just like how he comes care. up steaming at the end and he's like... Oh, you saved me, even though you'd be on fire and dead. Uh, I love it. I'd like to also point out that steaming effect coming off Vin Diesel in that scene. That's exactly how he appears after orgasming. Well, it's it's the exact same thing they do with with Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yes, it is. Except he's not Uh, nearly as cool. No. Here's a best and worst question. I want to know what you guys think was the best one-liner from Vin Diesel and the worst one-liner from Vin Diesel. 
I'll take a volunteer here. Who wants to go first? Me, 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 me. Captain Cash, <laughs> what you got? It's an animal thing. It's an animal thing. Wait, is that best or worst? Uh, both. <laughs> oh no. Because it's it's so bad. It is so bad, and yet. It's the one thing I remember Vin Diesel saying in this stupid fucking movie. I'm giving all of mine to the Dame Judy dance when she says, well, what are the odds of that? Because she spends the whole movie talking about how she just figures out odds. Yeah. Well, and let's just take a moment here to your point, McCheese. She's supposed to be like one of the old gods. She's an elemental. And they make a point and their conversations between her and the necromonger Lord Marshall guy that they're not really gods. They're statisticians. Like I thought that, I thought that, again, that was a, a small but interesting piece of world building in this movie. I, I, I also give them like credit it. for that. I also like it when she's in the plane with Dame Vaco and she opens up the, the, like the bottom hatch and she's like, Ooh, what are you going to do? And then do you Dame fly? Judy Dent just floats over it. Like, yeah, nothing, idiot. I'm not going to... Do you bleed? <laughs> we don't fly, but we glide quite well. <laughs> Very clearly, the worst line of this movie is, did you know you grind your teeth in your sleep? Sexy. Right, right after this woman mounts him and is sniffing him. And it's like, what the uh, hell is happening right now? Why is I don't this know. happening? Okay, so if that's your worst, uh, Thunderous Wizard, what's the what best? Is you, yeah, what's the best? All of them? I think all of them is probably the The, right the, the best is is probably, it's been a long time since I smelled beautiful because clearly that wasn't in the script. <laughs> oh, no. And Vin Diesel's like, I got an idea. <laughs> I'm going to write this line. It's going to be great. But I think it's probably, <laughs> remember that game you're always talking about? Who's the best killer? Let's play. It's so Diesel. It's so it's, dumb. It's, it's uncut Colombian Jay Diesel. <laughs> That's straight, straight Coppola. All right, so for me, uh, the best line of the movie is this one. You made three mistakes. Oh, First, God. you took the job. Second, you came light. Four-man crew for me fucking insulting but the worst mistake you made empty gun rack i don't know why but i really enjoyed that i thought that was a great line it's a good action movie line i give diesel some credit for that whether you wrote it or not whatever but for worst i've got a three-way tie and i'm going to touch on some stuff you guys already mentioned it's an animal thing oh god that was grown worthy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> remember that favorite game of yours oh fuck and then of course the classic it's been a long time since i smelled beautiful oh my god like like how could he do that with a straight face you know what? i, I want to say like i don't think vin diesel's a great actor but then again he delivered all three of those lines straight face take it back so, take it back he's a great actor he's He's I am got great. a limited range. That he really that's does. The, that's a very fair thing to say. But he's very yeah. good within his limited range. Yeah, yeah. a quarter mile at a time. Yes, yeah, he acts a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here's my favorite question: Did this movie achieve what it set out to do? I'll go first on this one again. Yes, but I don't think it did it well. 
they went for a high sci-fi concept here with the elementals, fury and magic, and the necromongers, but they just didn't quite pull it off. And I think to your point, Captain Cash, there's a lot of style over substance here. So what do you guys think? Captain Cash, what's your what's your take? No, because it, it set out to make money and it didn't. Oh no. <laughs> So that's, that's actually a really good point. It did not achieve that goal. The end. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm yep. gonna go with Chumpzilla, so I don't have to add anything more. I'm with you. Yeah, they tried for a really high sci-fi concept and just missed. Like they thought, hey, we could Star Wars the shit out of this, and then it didn't quite work. Nerp. Thunder's Wizard, anything to add? No, yeah, no, no, no. This was supposed to be like a franchise builder for the D's. And it was not. This was a. By the D's, failure. you mean. Hold on. By the D's, you mean Diesel and Dench, right? Yes. Yeah, the D's. Oh, okay. The killer yeah, the D's. D's. Okay. As they're all they were known. So. Dick Riddick, the D's. Yeah. No. Uh, oh, Bruno. And I think we could probably all answer this in unison, but I'll throw the question out there. Where did it go wrong? And how would you improve the movie? And hold on, just let me check my notes and see if I get this right. Um, they probably should have kept the R rating, and they probably should have kept the scope smaller and more claustrophobic to fit the characters. Yeah, right? weird. They should have just done Riddick, which yeah. they which they did. Hey, uh, I don't want nine to years I later or ten years well, later. So uh, yeah, I like again, it too. But they, uh, this was never going to justify the budget. Ever. Yeah. Ever, ever. Just not going to happen. So, you know, I think this movie, you know, had those two major problems. It it dropped the R rating from the first movie, and it went way too ambitious with the story. And let's be honest, we all understand why, they're right? Universal was hoping to get a broader audience with the PG-13 rating. But, again, it just shows how they fundamentally misunderstood what made the first movie work. Cough, cough. <coughs> Aliens. Like, this movie was at its best during the prison break scene, and that's because it was smaller in scale and slightly claustrophobic. It, that's how these characters work. And if the movie had been a hard R prison break movie with Riddick fighting bounty hunters, prison guards, and space dogs to bust Kira out of the joint, it would have been a better, cheaper movie that would have turned a profit. I think we all agree on that, right? Yeah, fair. Necromongers have no place in this universe. I just, they don't fit at all. Yeah, have them show up as a teaser trailer and then go crazy with the third movie, whatever. All right, well, I think that has brought us to the end of this segment, and we are going to head into our break here. So, listeners, we're going to freshen up our favorite Russian Imperial Stout here, the old Rasputin, before heading into the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the You Keep What You Kill trivia challenge. But before that, here's a message from our beer podcasting brothers from another mother over at Hop Nation USA. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. 
Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It's finally time for the You Keep What You Kill Trivia Challenge. Tonight, guys, it's the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and tonight you are playing for Riddick's Teacup, Prisoner Blood and Guts included. Tonight, the chime-in phrase is threshold, take us to the threshold, along with the pod standards, I'm going to shoot... And tarts and farts. Tarts and Are farts. You gentlemen, ready? Tarts and farts. Lord. That is good enough for me. All right. Question number one The Chronicles of Riddick was a huge financial flop, but it did pull in more money at the domestic box office than a handful of major studio movies released that same year. Which of the following movies released in 2004 was out-earned domestically by the Chronicles of Riddick? Was it A, White Chicks? Was it B, Hidalgo? Was it C, Cold Mountain? And yeah, that's like the uh, uh, Jewel Civil War movie. And or Jewel's D, Saw. <laughs> Jewels and Cold Mountain. No, it's... Uh... It's Renee Zellweger. Yeah, it's Jewel. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Tarzan farts. I'm gonna say Cold Mountain just because I know your thing for Jewel. That would be incorrect, and I also think I was incorrect in my pre-pod comments. I think that was Renee Zellweger, but whatever. Same difference. Uh, Thunderous Wizard, Mary Cheese. What say you? Can you steal? Farts and tarts. Uh, Hidalgo. Ooh, that is also incorrect. Okay, Mary McCheese, it's a 50-50 proposition. Between what? Saw Saw and what? Saw and White Chicks. Which one of these movies made less money than The Chronicles of Riddick? Saw. Saw is correct. That is amazing, Mary McCheese, because this is one of the most surprising things I found out when researching this movie. Yes, Saw only made $55.1 million, which is less than the $70.8 million that White Chicks made and less than the $57.8 that Chronicles of Riddick made. Okay, so we are now 1-0-0 to zero to zero with Mary McCheese in the lead. That brings us to question number two. The Chronicles of Riddick wasn't even the biggest financial flop in 2004. Which of the following movies released that year lost more money than The Chronicles of Riddick? Was it A, Catwoman? Was it B, Agent Cody Banks 2? Was it C, The Alamo? Or was it D, Wimbledon? Farts and Tarts. All I'm, right, Thunderous Wizard. I'm going to go out on them here and say The Alamo. Wow, that is an excellent guess because that is correct. C, the Alamo lost $94 million. That was the Ron Howard backed uh, Alamo movie with, I think, like Dennis Quaid and Billy Bob Thornton and. Uh, and pod favorite Night Jason Owl. Patrick. Yeah. Speed 2. Uh, yeah. It only made $25.8 million. On a budget of 107. All right. Well, we're tied up at one to one between the Thunderous Wizard and Mayor McCheese. Captain Cash, you're, you're still in the cellar here, but it's okay. There's a few more questions left. That brings us to question number three. Universal considered 
giving the movie to a different director before going back to Tui, which one of these directors was not considered? Was it A, Peter Jackson? Was it B, Zack Snyder? Was it C, John Landis? Or D, David Cronenberg? First parts, time. Parts. I believe that was Mary Cheese. Zack Snyder. That is correct. I am impressed. Holy shit. They, right, you they were... considered John Landis the fucking child murderer? <laughs> uh, yeah. And to be fair, Thunderous Wizard, Zack Snyder was busy working on Dawn of the Dead at this time, which was also released in 2004. So that is two points for Mayor McCheese. You are what, in the what? lead, and we are now at question number four. Vin Diesel is not the only future MCU actor in this movie. Colm Fjord, Lord Marshall, appears in which MCU film? A. The Incredible Hulk. B. Iron Man 2. C. Thor. Or D. Ant-Man. Farts and Tarts. That is the Thunderous Wizard. The Incredible Hulk. That is incorrect Shit. captain cash mary mccheese can you steal tarts and farts tarts and farts that is mayor mccheese ant-man that is also incorrect yeah. ah, captain cash you've got a 50 50 right here is it b iron man 2 you better or get this. c thor you better get this i I'm, I'm gonna say iron man 2 no he's the goddamn ice giant isn't he that is incorrect. He is, in fact, LaFay, LaFoy, LaFay, whatever. He is the king of the ice giants. He's the ice giant. Laffy. Idiot. Laffy. That's whatever. my fault. Laffy. I knew that. All right. Well, you are still in the lead, <clears throat> Mayor McCheese, with two points. Second place goes to the Thunderous Wizard with one point, and Captain Cash, you were still in the cellar with zero. But there's one question to go. Question number five. Nick Chinlin does voice of work in addition to acting, and he appeared in the 1996 Mortal Kombat animated series Mortal Kombat colon Defenders of the Realm, voicing which character? A. Quan Chi, B. Raiden, C. Cabal, or D. Curtis Stryker? Farts and Tarts, Stryker. I'm sorry, but you were incorrect. Curtis Stryker was actually voiced by Ron Perlman. Oh, my God. Discount Ron Perlman got actual <laughs> Ron Perlman's job? Gosh darn it. No, other way around. Uh, so, uh, Captain Cash, Mary McCheese, can you steal? The answers remaining are A, Quan Chi, B, Raiden, or C, Cabal. I'm going to give that to the Mayor McCheese. I have to go with Cabal. <laughs> I have to. Oh, I am sorry. C, ah. Cabal is incorrect. He did not appear in the series. I'm, I'm okay. Captain I'm okay Cash, with Captain Cash, you can't win. Mayor McCheese has pulled it off. If but it's Quan Chi, I'm going to be pissed. You've got a 50 here. It's A, Quan Chi. It's A, Quan Chi, or B, Raiden. What is Raiden. your final answer? Raiden. Answer Quan Chi. I am sorry, that is incorrect. Raiden was actually voiced by none other than Clancy Brown. Oh, no! Oh, okay. my gosh. It was, it was a Quan Chi. No, poor Thunderous Wizard. A brother's kiss. All right. 
Congratulations. <laughs> Mayor McCheese, you have won the You Keep What You Kill trivia challenge. Your what, what? bloody teacup will be in the mail. Uh, you can keep it. I'm okay. Okay. Well, that brings us to recommendations. I'm going to go first because uh, I'm selfish like that. Uh, my recommendation this week is Life After Flash. It's a 2019 documentary about the rise, fall, and redemption of the actor Sam Jones, who played Flash Gordon in the 1980 cult classic. It covers his fallout with producer Dino De Laurentiis, which also led him to be effectively fired from the movie and have all of his lines redubbed over. And it covers a bit of his tragic backstory and his post-Hollywood life, and then his eventual return to Hollywood thanks in part to Seth MacFarlane. We've all seen Ted and Ted too. Oh my God, um, Sam Jones. Sam Jones yep. got to get over here. Yeah. <laughs> and you also get several interviews with his castmates and crew from Flash Gordon and some celebrity fans of the movie. Now, I have to put a disclaimer here. Jones was a producer on the film, so at times it does feel like a puff piece, but it's still worth checking out. And you can find it streaming for free on Amazon Prime right now. So that's my recommendation. I have Gentlemen, I open the floor up here. Go ahead. Go I ahead, have Cast, question. question. Uh, among the celebrities interviewed, is there Brian Blessed? There is, and he yes. is fantastic. In all of his exactly. segments, okay, he tells some great stories. That's all I needed. I, I just, I want the blessed cut. I just need <laughs> Brian Blessed talking about and stuff. I'd like to point out that he's Grandpa Rabbit and Peppa Pig. Nice. Yeah, which is awesome. Okay, so who's going next? Recommendations. I can gladly go. Uh, I was going to recommend Reddit because it is the real sequel to Pitch Solid. Black. So watch it. It's awesome. But because of our beer choice, which is Old Rasputin, I'm going to recommend a book I've read. It's called The Rasputin File by Edward Redzinski. And it, it's a if you don't like historical books, uh, yeah, I guess. But it's a very easy to read, digestible book. It's broken up into parts. It's a, it's a fascinating story because, honestly, he was a charlatan that helped to fell the last uh, dynasty of Russia, the last czar and whatever of Russia. So it's super interesting. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, he's very Charlie uh, Manson-esque. And he's full of shit. Like he's not what, uh, he's not the character from Hellboy or from uh, the Anastasia. Disney movie. Yeah, Anastasia. He was just, and it's Fox. Yeah, pictures yeah he's just a weird he's just a weirdo that gained an incredible amount of influence and uh, part of that helped destroy the last dynasty of russia so it's a great book yeah apparently he was nailing everybody's wife (laughs) like that was that was his thing i mean that's 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 sort of part of it pseudo like spiritual advisor and he was boning everyone (laughs) yeah read it I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. It's a great right book. on, right it's on. All right. Very easy. This week is gonna be go back to Pitch Black. Pitch Black is a great yeah. movie. It 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 nails everything Pitch Black tries to do. And it's okay that you literally have a guy whose job is to be an imam 
that you just call imam, that's fine. That's the, the tightness of the level of that film. It's small scale. It makes sense. It's good. I'm on. It, it's, a, it's a small, tight movie. And I know it's probably giving it too much credit, but I look at it very much in the same lens of Alien. It's a small, claustrophobic, space set horror movie. It's the closest thing the 90s gave us to Alien. That's fair. Like, and I, and I, I, Aliens infinitely better. I'm just saying that's the closest right. approximation the 90s gave us. So, I, well, I'd say Mimic. But maybe, I, uh, you know, hey, uh, Relic? No, no. These are all not good examples Species. of what 90s films were. <laughs> all right, all right. Back on the recommendations here. Mamre Cheese, what have you got for us this week? So, so mine is nostalgia-based, but has no bearing in any sort of uh, conversations we've had recently. If you did, if you're like us and you grew up loving Jackass and all that shit, go um, find CKY2K, which was Bam Margera's first oh. like real movie. If you will, it's like 50 minutes long. He shot it on a handy cam for nothing, but you get to see where the start of those dudes came from. And I randomly stumbled upon it um recently and it's awesome to watch like him and ryan dunn and all those dudes when they were like just teenagers doing dumb shit and then they became super famous and you know kind of spiraled out of control from there but you know cky2k is still good to watch yeah so correct if i'm wrong uh mayor mccheese is there not a segment in that where they like chuck a drink back into the drive through window of a restaurant yeah yeah i i definitely saw that when I was in high school, cause I had some friends that were skater type guys when that was like in their sphere of influence. And then I just remember getting to college and seeing Jackass. And I'm like, Oh, I, Oh, I saw those guys before. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, the, the, the guys with the guys with the soda, they, they do, they, they, they do bigger stuff now. Oh, uh, no mo kidding. Most of this stuff is somewhat harmless where they're not being complete dick bags. Um, it's mostly them doing like just stupid skits and skater tricks, but yeah, there is some stuff like that. But well, I mean, no, but your point I mean, though, it's it's definitely a bit of like nostalgia it, 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 for that it's period. Super nostalgia in that yeah. in that era, especially like for us talking about this movie, which came out when we were in college and we watched it all the time because you're we dumb college kids and we thought it was great. I mean, this is right. This is right in that same same time frame. Well. Thanks for joining us tonight, loyal listener. And don't forget, you can find the pod anywhere you find finer podcasts. And you can follow us on the socials at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find the Thunderous Wizard at Writer TLK on Twitter, Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of the social medias. And you can always find the mayor on Twitter at H-B-O-F McCheese. Next week's pod is going to be a lot of fun. When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against the wall, and he looks you crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Just stare at that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. That's right. Next week, we'll be talking about the cult classic John Carpenter film, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs>